in the last year, but mostly last week. On the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast. He's past the age apex. He'll be 29 soon, Dave. And then once he's 29, he's going to be 30 soon. And once he's 30, he's going to be out of the league. I almost want to give myself a correct sound effect for that. And Greg Williams with fake glasses and fake hair and a fake goatee playing the, the movie villain defensive coordinator role. And he was a college compiler. Yeah, yeah. Well, guess what? So was Melvin Gordon. And they compile all those yards in college because they're good. That's how they compile them. Sorry, Mike. What were you saying? Hey, maybe take a chance on a guy who's not 5'8". And according to Reddit, I am public enemy number one. Well, I have a message for all you Redditites. You don't matter. Did you ever consider going on steroids and auditioning for WWE? Print off your whining diatribe, roll it up, and shove it up your ass. And beat the eggs, but not too vigorously. Just a light beating. And they will be, oh, oh, so fluffy. And if you did any prep whatsoever, looked at the rankings once, checked the show sheet once, listened to the clip of Marshawn Lynch talking to John Wertheim once, you would know all these things! And get out of here with Dante Moncrief. You can load Dante Moncrief onto a rocket ship with Devontae Parker and Josh Doxson and send them to outer space. Just get them away from my dynasty teams. This is why you're the podfather. And there's no better actor in the history of movies than Tom Cruise. And the difference is Mike Gusecki probably won't be tackled by the penis anytime soon. And Todd Haley and his wife don't believe in wearing clothes at all. And it's the best way to go out on a sweatpant boner. And is this the time when you think people start masturbating to the show? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sonic Truth Dynasty Podcast. I'm your former host, Nate Liss. You can find me on Twitter, at an outraged you. And with me, as always, is Mr. Matt Kelly. You can find him on Twitter at Fantasy underscore Mansion. Matt, how is it going? You're good at these intros, man. One of the best. You are the best. You're the original. You're the best. I miss you, man. I miss you. Thanks, man. You know, I'm, I'm kicking around. I'm out here. You can find me if you're looking for me. Just throw up the bat signal. I'll come back. Just aced that intro. And the audience misses you, too. The audience is mad at me, Nate. The audience thinks that I'm not producing enough free content during the season. That's the accusation. Those on Patreon have my ear. That's where I engage the listeners. Those are the people I care about. Patreon.com forward slash podfather. If you're not on there supporting the show and interacting with your underworld brethren and myself, you're doing yourself a great disservice. And the feedback is that they wish that the Roto Underworld Radio and Sonic Truth were like the olden days. There's a nostalgia for old school Matt Kelly podcasts. And I object to this nostalgia. I object to the mischaracterization that I'm producing less content this season than I did last season. Because if you remember last season, we did three podcasts. Did the Mind of Mansion show, sometimes, not always, did a solo podcast, and the Big Tilt DFS podcast. This year, every week, 
I give you the solo podcast, which is now called The First Mover Show and The Mind of Mansion and a free streaming show on Roto Grinders that has replaced The Big Tilt. And I appeared on The Big Tilt once a month. I appear on the Underworld Game Night show on Roto Grinders every week. So I was gracing you with my presence once a month on Fridays for DFS. Now I'm doing it every week. And there's this revisionist history that the Sonic Truth podcast was a weekly show last season. It was not. We wind down the Sonic Truth show during the season because it's dynasty focused and we produce one new show per month. Can you confirm that, Nate? Yeah, I believe that's correct. I mean, I, I, I confirm that. Last year, we did one show in September, one show in October, one show in November, one show in December. This year, we gave you a September show. And this is the October Sonic Truth podcast. So in total this week, I will be delivering to the audience four free shows. Again, the Underworld Game Night Show on Fridays on Roto Grinders is free to stream from 9 p.m. to midnight. So if anything, you are getting more this year than last year. So I wanted to debunk this false nostalgia once and for all. But I get it. I get it. You miss me. And you miss Nate Rabbit, right? And if there's one bit of content that has been missing the last couple months, it's Mansion Lifestyle Tips. Oh, God. We've been light on the lifestyle hacks the last couple months, and that's on me. Because I have a list of lifestyle hacks to share with the audience, and it just keeps growing, and for some reason, I haven't got around to sharing them. So what I want to do today is drop four food hacks... Oh, my God. ...from the mansion kitchen on you today. Rapid fire. When cooking pasta, it is critical that you do not overcook the noodles. Al dente is not only a superior texture, it holds the flavor in and it prevents the pasta from converting more complex carbohydrates into simple sugars. So for taste reasons and health reasons, it is critical to go under the time allotted when cooking your pasta. And even more important, give that spaghetti, that linguine, lots of room. Grab a pot you think is big enough and then go a size bigger. Boil a healthy amount of water. Fill it up and fill it wide. Give that pasta room to circulate in that pot. Too many people use a pot that's simply too small for the amount of pasta they are cooking. Lastly, add olive oil to the water to prevent the noodles from sticking. Olive oil is a chef's best friend. It is so versatile. It is not only a lubricant. Easy. Easy. Head whip. Oh. It can also double as your sauce. So sometimes we prepare pasta with nothing but garlic and olive oil. And when you make a garlic and olive oil sauce, it is critical that you do not overcook the garlic. You want it to be light brown. The moment the garlic turns dark brown in the frying pan, it becomes bitter. Look at your recipes. Find ways that you can replace heavier oils with olive oil. And with olive oil, you want to make sure that it's the first press extra virgin. Easy. No, don't worry. I'm not into that. What? You don't like olive oil? Not extra virgin, bro. 
Get the extra version first press. It's more expensive, but it's well worth it. It's healthier and it tastes better. (laughs) With most foods, there's a trade-off between taste and health. Not so with the oils. The olive oil tastes better and it's healthier. It's one of those good fats. It's important to nourish yourself with healthy fats. Another healthy fat is the avocado. Avocado in salads. Avocado on sandwiches. I feel like Forrest Gump. Avocado on sandwiches, avocado on salads. You put avocado on pretty much anything. It's great. But so often I see people struggling to remove the avocado pit. Here's what you do. You cut that avocado vertically, and then you crack it with your two hands. And now you have two equally sized avocado halves, but one of them will have the pit, the other will not. Take a sharp knife and hack at that pit with a sharp downward swiping motion and impale the pit with the knife. Once the knife is impaled, turn it slightly, and the pit will just pop right out, grab a spoon, scoop the avocado, clean and efficient and delicious. I can't believe this is happening right now. Speaking of using utensils to improve your meals, some people like English muffins at breakfast. I know I do. I don't love carbohydrates at breakfast, but it's hard to beat a good English muffin. We can all agree with that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Do not cut an English muffin with a knife. The way to cut an English muffin properly is to use a fork and slide the teeth of that fork into the groove that you see when you turn that English muffin on its side. Just over and over and over again, all the way around the English muffins, forking down the center plane of that English muffin all the way around, and it will fall open nicely and evenly. When you do it for the first time, it's shocking how evenly that English muffin falls open. Oh, delicious. So the audience now has four mansion lifestyle hacks for the price of one. And no one is allowed to say that I do not deliver the free content to this audience that this audience deserves. You hungry, Nate? I am starving now. I got to admit, though, I'm, I'm pretty bad at boiling the pasta. And I think I learned a couple things there. I tend to use a, uh, I tend to use a, uh, a pot that is too small, I think. Didn't realize that was a thing. You do. I'm sure you do. Most people do. Too much pasta, small pot, not enough water. That's right. That's right. It's common mistake. That's why I'm here. Speaking of mistakes. It's <laughs> great. Did you happen to draft Ronald Jones or Rashad Penny in any dynasty rookie drafts <sighs> over the spring and summer? No, and I thought I made it abundantly clear that I was not on the Ronald Jones bandwagon. There was no way. Both of us weren't, obviously. I, when I made one of my I'm Outraged videos, I dedicated it to Ronald Jones. You did. He was that bad. Awful. And it's not a surprise. Are you okay? Yeah, sorry. Clear my throat. I just muted my mic, so we're going to have to. <laughs> wow. You looked like you were in need of oxygen. I'm under the weather. You know Michael Jordan's flu game? Oh, God. Here we go. Here we go. This is the flu game. Carry me off, Scottie Pippen. You had a month off. Carry me off. I got sick that whole month. I never recovered. Anyways, uh, I was never a fan of Ronald Jones. The, the situation, his size, his history, his draft position. There was a lot of indicators of why he wasn't going to be the player that I think he was being pegged as. People were starting to say volume in the 20 to 25 touch per game range. What? And that buzz got so big and his hype got so great. You know, that there wasn't much competition. That's more than Jamal Charles commanded at his peak 
And they were comparing him to Jamal Charles. They were saying he was going to command a bigger workload than peak Jamal Charles. What? It's too much. Back to the question. I I don't own Rashad Penny. I don't know that I think Penny's a bust, though. I think Penny offers the right size. The problem now is he's buried behind Carson. Mike Davis has been awesome. It's going to be a very tough depth chart to crack. How is that possible? How is this a tough depth chart to crack? This is not a robust running back depth chart in Seattle. This is why Rashad Penny looks so bustastic right now because he can't usurp even Mike Davis. Here's the problem, though, with the depth chart that he went to. Seattle is notorious for taking late round or undrafted free agents and if they're outplaying a starter, that player will ascend to the starting role. I mean, they've done it before. And Chris Carson's been great. Seattle has has a run game identity all of a sudden. It's unbelievable. Oh, stop it. Stop with this identity analysis. They have an identity. Rashad Penny doesn't, though. So is Rashad Penny going to bust? Yes or no? No, I don't think he is. I don't. I know it looks grim right now, but bear with me. I don't think Rashad Penny's a bust. I'm not ready to call Rashad Penny a bust yet. But I'm close. I'm 55-45, no bust. Talk to me in a few weeks. I may be 55-45, a bust. We will find out. I don't blame you if, if you feel like Penny's getting there because, you know, he hasn't he hasn't passed these guys on the depth chart. He's gained weight, supposedly. You know, they said he, he went the Eddie Lacy route, cheeseburger Lacy. The reason why I imagined... You writing off Rashad Penny this early in the game is that Rashad Penny did not attend a major conference university, and San Diego State specifically was known for producing prolific runners like Donald Pumphrey, who aren't actually good football players. So I felt like the Rashad Penny fade was like a grooved pitch down the middle to Nate Liss. No, I watched that one go low and outside. I I don't know. I think that Rashad Penny is it was a decent player coming out of college. I mean, the advanced metrics liked him. He was a tackle breaker. He was elusive. He's got feature size. He's a good athlete. Oh, these are the reasons I liked him. I liked him. I still like him. Fifty-five, forty-five. I've we had him as one of four members of the running back Mount Rushmore. I mean, it seems like so long ago. Then we had a running back about Rushmore, and Rashad Penny was on it. But that actually happened. Don't don't take him off it. Just shrink his face and push it off to the side a little bit. <laughs> Keep him on there. All right. This has been an abomination of a running back draft class mm. when you compare expectations to results. Which rookie running back has actually exceeded expectations this year? Is there one? Well, okay, there's some obvious ones here. Obviously, unless you were on Sony Michelle, I like Sony Michelle. He's been great so far. But but Sony Michelle was drafted in the top five in a lot of fantasy football dynasty league rookie drafts. Hold on, that's fine. So let me get to the real player. Beyond the undrafted... Don't say it! Philip Lindsay, I'm struggling to find one. Damn it! Philip Lindsay's the only one we want to talk about right now. Ray, is that the only one you can find? The undrafted Philip Lindsay? That's the only one I'd bring up because... Is there a running back that was actually drafted in the NFL draft that's exceeding expectations right now? Can you find one? I think Sony Michelle because... Oh my God, you can't say Sony Michelle. I believe Sony Michelle has been underwhelming this year because he's demonstrated a complete inability to catch passes. Hold on, hold on. The hold hope with Sony Michelle was that he would be an all-purpose back and he's shaping up to be a smaller LeGarrette Blunt. 
Okay, he hasn't been targeted that much. A 215-pound between-the-tackles grinder. I'm not that interested in that particular archetype. Okay, number one, he hasn't been targeted that much. Number two, the reason that Sony Michelle is exceeding expectations is because nobody thought that two running backs could succeed in this backfield. They thought that it was impossible that you would have Rex Burkhead and James White and then somehow Sonny Michelle would find a place. And even if Burkhead went down, there was still this idea that these two players would would eat each other and and one player would, you know, would rise to the top and be the one guy. Can I ask you a question? Sure. What the fuck has Rex Burkhead ever done in the NFL? He's been great. Why is Rex Burkhead the reason why James White and Sony Michelle won't be RB1s in fantasy? Because why Rex Burkhead what? of all players? What the fuck has he done? Okay, is this a hindsight question? Because if we're looking back on this in hindsight, then then maybe there's an answer. I'm looking at the Rex Burkhead resume right now, and I'm seeing a whole bunch of nothing. Didn't you tout Rex Burkhead? Evan Silva was on Rex Burkhead. A lot of people like Rex Burkhead, right? I mean, I like Rex Burkhead. What are we talking about? He's a fun player. Technically, he has an all-purpose skill set, and that's rare in this league, but he's never actually done anything. Oh, I know. That was my argument for Jarek McKinnon. That was my argument for Jarek McKinnon. It's the same damn thing, but nonetheless, what what has been impressive... And go to our Dynasty Rankings, playerprofiler.com forward slash player dash rankings. Go ahead and see if you can find Jarek McKinnon. And if you don't see him, keep scrolling down. When I turn on a player, I turn. Oh God. <sighs> okay, well, we can move on from that, but Sony Michelle's been pretty good the last couple weeks, and this has only played four weeks. That's right. He has been pretty good, which is in line with where he was drafted in Dynasty Rookie Drafts. Philip Lindsay is the bright spot in this draft class. How did Philip Lindsay go undrafted? Uh, size, probably. Usage in college. His usage was extreme in college. He was a bell cow. I know, but I don't think he was the type of runner, and he wasn't used as the same type of runner that they got when they drafted Royce Freeman in the third. They didn't get a banger that runs between the tackles. And the body type of Philip Lindsay, how many of those guys are successful in the NFL? Very few. I mean... To see what he's doing right now is incredibly impressive. I mean, I would argue he's outplaying Royce Freeman right now in their own backfield. He is. He's this year's Tariq Cohen. Absolutely. And that's impressive. But we need someone else. Maybe not a a running back that has not yet produced at the NFL level like Philip Lindsay. We need someone to save this draft class. Who is it going to be? Who, over the next two years, is going to save this 2018 running back class? Is it... Nick Chubb? Is it Darius Geis? Karrion Johnson? Chase Edmonds? Who's it going to be, Nate? It's Darius Geis, without a question. I, I still believe that Darius Geis has the ceiling to be the best running back in this whole class. I mean, Saquon Barkley, the guy's abilities are unbelievable. I know that the numbers, the raw numbers don't look great. That team is bad. That is a bad football team. But Barkley looks special. Well, he's a target magnet, and that's what's most impressive. But Darius Geis... I'm encouraged by Saquon Barkley because of the target share for the same reason I'm discouraged by what I'm seeing from Sony Michelle, the target share. I don't know what to say. Under the Belichick system, you've always had pass catchers. You've always had guys that did the grinding. And Michelle may always be the guy that does the grinding. Um, what about Nick Chubb? Will Nick Chubb be unlocked this year? Carlos Hyde's been pretty good. I, I think they like Hyde enough that Chubb's going to continue 
to get his opportunities little by little. If this team goes downhill completely, then I think you're going to see more Nick Chubb. No, I don't think so either. They're competitive. It's a good team. They are. They're a competitive team. So, no, I think that Nick Chubb is is a fade till next year. Okay, he'll get his opportunities. If a Hyde injury happens, he'll be the guy. He's still great. We've seen him flash this year already. That's what we wanted to see. But Carlos Hyde's been good. I mean, he, he was good before this. He's always been a tackle breaker. He's been a good player before he came to Cleveland, and now they've got him, and they're, they're using him to his full ability. I think that's right. I think it's a mistake to write down Nick Chubb because he can't surpass Carlos Hyde on the depth chart because Carlos Hyde's just a guy. That's not the problem. The problem is Carlos Hyde is not Chris Carson. Carlos Hyde is not Mike Davis. Carlos Hyde is actually an above-average talent at the NFL level. Is Royce Freeman an above-average talent at the NFL level? I'm much more discouraged about Royce Freeman than I am Nick Chubb. Yeah, I think Royce Freeman's definitely an above-average back. I didn't have him as one of my top five backs in the running back class, but I think he's a good running back. I think the problem might be that Denver might be looking at what Philip Lindsay's accomplished and looking at teams like the Saints with these two-back systems where they've been successful. And if both these guys can continue to play reasonably well on alternating snaps, you know, not not like the type of runner that has to run 10, 15 times in a row to get that groove, to break that one off, to, you know, get in sync. These guys have been playing sporadically, and they've both played reasonably well. Philip Lindsay's played phenomenal. Um, and, and I think if that continues, I, I think Royce Freeman's usage will maintain and be the same way, where he'll, he'll grind, Lindsay will come in, he'll, he'll vulture things. He's been... I mean, I can't explain it. Philip Lindsay's been unbelievable. I would have never expected him to produce like he is right now, especially in Denver. Royce Freeman's a problem, man. What about Chase Edmonds? It's going to take a David Johnson injury unless he's the next guy that starts playing. Because you hated Chase Edmonds coming out. <laughs> okay, all right. Wow. You weren't drafting Chase Edmonds because he went to Fordham. Still don't know where that is. Which was not a major conference school. And yet, this running game stinks. This is the unfortunate thing about this draft class. Whereas the last draft class, Alvin Kamara goes to the Saints. Kareem Hunt goes to the Chiefs. The majority of the top talents in that draft class in 2017 ended up going to prolific offenses. Just the opposite happened to the 2018 class. So I believe that we are years away from this class even approaching its potential. Where guys like Chase Edmonds can find a way to emerge perhaps on their second team. Like Boston Scott, for example. Boston Scott is now behind not only Alvin Kamara, but also Mark Ingram. But we like Boston Scott similar to Philip Lindsay. He was a an electric satellite back at Louisiana Tech. Do you remember this guy? Why didn't we hear more about Boston Scott during the Mark Ingram suspension? It's frustrating, man. Yeah, well, because Sean Payton always wanted to go back to Mark Ingram. I mean, Mark Ingram's a great running back, and Alvin Kamara's a phenomenal running back, too. You think Mark Ingram's great? Mark Ingram is great. What, what about— You don't think Mark Ingram is a system running back? Absolutely not. I think if Mark Ingram went somewhere else, he would be just as good. Maybe not just as good, because opportunity probably wouldn't be the same. Is Kareem Hunt a system running back? What if Kareem Hunt went to the Dolphins? Then what? I think Kareem Hunt would be the same player he is today because Kareem Hunt. What? Game, no, honestly. Because what? You know, are you saying versus the Kansas City Chiefs? Are, are we just talking about like the uh, the quarterback differences? I'm saying we play a game of sliding doors. Right. And instead of being drafted by the Chiefs, Kareem Hunt goes to the Dolphins. Obviously, nobody's going to. How is Kareem Hunt viewed by fantasy gamers as a Dolphin? 
less than now, but they're going to look at him like a Jai at his peak, where they knew he was a tackle breaker and he was going to have to earn his own yards. It's going to be different than being in KC, where there's a ton of weapons around him. I mean, obviously, obviously, going to the Dolphins would be different. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I think that we're seeing it now. The 2017 running back class was overrated. The high pedigree players in that class were airdropped into the best possible situations. Leonard Fournette landed on a run-first offense with a great defense. Alvin Kamara is paired with a quarterback that targets the running back more than any other quarterback in NFL history by a wide margin. Kareem Hunt is on the best offense in the league with one of the league's best offensive coordinators. Go down the list. Even Aaron Jones ended up standing next to Aaron Rodgers, for Christ's sake. Look at Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler looks like the next Danny Woodhead, and he's playing like Danny Woodhead. Not only is he active in the passing game, but he's getting touches in the red zone and scoring touchdowns. And I think Philip Lindsay is the next Austin Eckler. And if that's true, who's the next Philip Lindsay? Look around the league, see if you can pinpoint a satellite back that can be the next guy that can break through and start scoring 12 fantasy points a game predominantly out of the backfield. I think we're close to it today, but I think Naheem Hines with the Indianapolis Colts is kind of that guy that's that's in that same ilk, a guy that's that's should be on that radar. I mean, the past couple weeks, nine targets, 11 targets. He had nine targets in his first week, 15 carries last week. He's getting the ball a little more. I know Marlon Mack's getting healthy, but I think that coming out of college, people believed in this guy as a satellite player, as a special player. He runs a 4-3-8, Nate. He's best comparable to C.J. Spiller on playerprofiler.com, and because he's short, he's slight. 5'8", 198. The BMI is 30.1. He still has a BMI over 30 because he's only 5'8". He's stocky. So he's more durable than most 198-pound running backs. And you can see the Colts have realized this. They gave him 15 carries last week. He got 22 touches, Nate. Well, he's already on pace for about 93 catches on the year. So, I mean, think about that. Incredible. Think about that for a second. Look at these reception numbers. 7, 1, 5, 9, 7. We knew that the Indianapolis Colts passing game was a bear cupboard, a talent void beyond T.Y. Hilton and, I guess, Eric Ebron. He's back. But you look beyond... But when we looked beyond T.Y. Hilton at this passing game in the offseason... We saw a whole bunch of nothing. We talked ourselves into Chester Rogers, for Christ's sake. Well, that's what the satellite back can do. It can fill that void in the passing game. And sure enough, here's Naheem Hines with seven targets per game. He is skyrocketing up our dynasty rankings. So Philip Lindsay was the biggest surprise at running back. Who was the biggest surprise at receiver for you? Man, this is an interesting one. Here's the thing. I think coming into this year, and you're going to say the same thing you did about Sonny Michelle. I think there was a lot of people that were anti-Calvin Ridley. I think a lot of people were not on the Calvin Ridley really? bandwagon. Absolutely. Besides myself? No, uh, yeah, well, I mean, you you started a movement. So, I don't I don't think that Calvin Ridley should be the the prime example here, but he's played he's played great. He's been used in the red zone. He's caught what how many touchdowns this year now? 3, no, 5 touchdowns on the year. He's not actually used heavily in the red zone. That's a fallacy. He's been used in the red zone is what I said. No, he hasn't been used in the red zone. His touchdowns are coming from outside the red zone, and whenever he's targeted in the red zone, he's catching the passes. His red zone target share is actually outside the top 25, but he has five red zone receptions, so he has a 100% red zone catch rate, 
and he has six total touchdowns. Think about that. Do the math. He has more touchdowns than he has red zone targets. That's not sustainable, Nate. Not even close. He, he's a good player. It doesn't matter what the sustainability is here. I'm not banking on Calvin Ridley being good because of the touchdowns that he's caught recently. But I will say this. Calvin Ridley isn't necessarily the player that I would want to talk about here just because he seems like he should be obvious. He's the first of the guys to really break out. He was drafted highly. Seems obvious. The player that I would have gone with would have been Antonio Callaway. He was getting the usage. They let Corey Coleman go. Josh Gordon left. They showed confidence in this player. He's had games where he had 10 targets, 9 targets. He flashed a little bit back in week 2. This was a guy that coming into the league we knew had character problems, but we knew was a talented player coming out of college. So to me, if if he can bounce back and, and continue being targeted and stay on the right track, Antonio Callaway could be the player of, of this group of wide receivers that kind of ascends from being a player that most people ignored or weren't paying attention to whatsoever to being one of the top five guys from this class. Let's run the breaking news. Antonio Callaway is awful. Oh, no. Awful. Oh, no. We tend to buy opportunity and fade efficiency in seasonal leagues. But in Dynasty, efficiency is a window into a player's ability. It matters. And you look at these Antonio Callaway advanced metrics, and it is not pretty. 37.5% contested catch rate. That's outside the top 30. And this is despite having a 16.1 average target distance. So you know his total air yards per target have been incredible. And yet, he's not converting these throws into yards and touchdowns. He has one touchdown. He has only 177 receiving yards total. Well, he plays for the Cleveland Browns. Why is that? He plays for the Cleveland Browns with a rookie quarterback. And and bear in mind, this guy's played... No, it's because his catch rate is 44.8%. It's outside the top 90. He's played five games as an NFL rookie. I would caution you to go down this narrative because we could say the same thing about Nelson Aguilar. Well, thankfully, Player Profiler has a new metric called true catch rate, which only factors in catchable passes. On catchable passes, Antonio Callaway's true catch rate is 72.2%. That's outside the top 80. He can't squeeze the football, Nate. That doesn't, again, I, I will bring up guys like Nelson Aguilar that... Five games into the NFL season as a rookie doesn't determine your career. If he were a high-pedigree prospect, I would give him the benefit of the doubt. Nelson Aguilar was a first-round pick. Antonio Callaway was a fourth-rounder and has one of the highest knucklehead factors in the NFL. So if you're going to be a knucklehead like a Josh Gordon... You better squeeze the football in contested situations. Josh Gordon is one of the strongest wide receivers at the catch point, and that ability can wallpaper over a lot of other problems. Antonio Callaway does not have that luxury. The difference, though, is that he wasn't drafted in the... So you're asking me to take a chance on a guy who could be suspended at any moment who's not efficient? Fuck out of here. It's dynasty fantasy football with 30-man rosters. You probably still have Jeff Janis on 20 rosters. Listen... Antonio Callaway was drafted in the fourth round. 
What are you talking about? Now you're saying that he's a fringe player and you should roster him out of pity? I'm telling you that Antonio Callaway was drafted in the fourth round not because of talent, but because of off-field. The guy's talent level was much better than that. He would have gone way higher than that if he was a clean prospect, and the narrative of this argument would fall apart. So the problem is you're ignoring what his true talent is and looking at the draft round, he's way better than a fourth-round pick by skill level. Way better than a fourth-round pick. Easily a second-round pick. So for argument's sake, he's played five games. Then show it to me on the football field. Show it to me. I hope he does. Show it. But five games isn't his career. Oh, my God. Okay, which receiver has been the biggest disappointment for you? Uh, Out of this class, uh, I've got to go with Michael Gallup. Ooh, me too. And here's why. Here's why, though. Wide open depth chart. Talk about a talent void at wide receiver. Dallas has nobody. He's number six on his own team. They are begging Michael Gallup to step up. He's number six on his own team in targets, which which is pretty sad considering that when we entered the season, there was this belief that, sure, Alan Hearns was supposedly going to be the guy, but when they drafted Michael Gallup, his skill set, his abilities, we thought, hey, this guy will definitely be the guy. He should pass him. Dez isn't coming back. I mean, Terrence Williams has been hurt. This team's receiving group is one of the weakest in the league. It's not a V. I mean, the, it's bad. And so the, the fact that he really hasn't the, done anything yet, the, uh, to me, that makes him a disappointment. I, I'm still buying his talent, but man, I don't I don't know what to say seeing what's happened. I'm not buying his talent. I am very concerned. I'm not concerned about Traquan Smith. Traquan Smith answered any concerns anyone might have had about his talent profile. Traquan Smith is better than Calvin Ridley. I contend that if Calvin Ridley went to UCF, and Traquan Smith went to Alabama, that Traquan Smith would have been the first-round pick, and Calvin Ridley would have been the third-round pick, that Traquan Smith would be taking snaps across from Julio Jones and scoring touchdowns in Atlanta. Dude. (laughs) Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Traquan Smith has four catches on the year. He has seven. For how many touchdowns? For two touchdowns, if you take away the last game that he played. If you like Calvin Ridley and his unsustainable touchdown rate, stop. then you must love Traquan Smith Okay, all right. and his equally unsustainable touchdown rate. Okay, if we're being fair. I love Traquan Smith. He's got the right draft pedigree. Wait, you don't sound like you do. No, I'm just saying, come on. He's got one good game. I think he's going to be good. I, I do. I think he's going to be good. Most rookie receivers have this many good games in their first season in the NFL, and I'm holding up a zero. A donut. I, I do agree. I, I think he's a good player. He went to the right team. I hope he gets to play with Drew Brees for a while because that could be a special combination. Drew Brees is 39 going on 40, and his ability has not wavered a single percentage point. Like When you look at the advanced metrics, deep ball completion percentage, everything, nothing has changed. Drew Brees is the ultimate metronome quarterback in the NFL, and I hope that he finishes his career with the most passing yards, and a number of quarterback records. Now that we've seen Traquan Smith break out all over the place in in week five, who's the next Traquan Smith? Who's the most likely to break out in week six, seven, eight? Um, I think we've seen it a little bit. I'm going to go with Christian Kirk from Arizona. Leads the Arizona Cardinals in targets, receptions, and receiving yards, and that's just on 26 targets. A handful of those have already gone for over 30 yards, and this is a roster that's in desperate need of playmakers. I mean, Fitzgerald looks like he's starting to really slow down finally after a billion hundred-catch seasons in a row. Looks like? 
looks like he's slowing down. There might be a David Johnson resurgence yet to be determined. So Christian Kirk is the guy that I'm, I'm planning my flag on to break out here pretty soon. We, we've seen a little bit of it, and I think it's coming. I feel like Larry Fitzgerald is running routes on a Segway at this point. <laughs> just <laughs> just mechanical with no twitch whatsoever. He's played a lot of years, man. I mean, He has. He has. Those are some old legs. Too many years. There's no juice left. So it looks like this 2018 wide receiver class could eclipse the 2018 running back class. If you told me this six months ago, I would not have believed you. But here we are. I I go back and forth on this. Uh, You know, I saw this on the show sheet and I I sat beneath a tree, stared up at the sky, listened to the birds, thought about this question quite a bit. Um, I think in the end. I think we're going to end up siding with the running back class. Now, I, I, I know you might think that's crazy. No, they've been dropped into bad situations, and it's going to take time for them to be afforded the opportunity that allows them to shine on their respective teams. I, I will say this. Of the receivers, I'm, I'm waiting right now. The players that I still think are going to do something good and, and are going to have a breakout, obviously Cortland Sutton's on this list. DJ mm-hmm. Moore is obviously on this mm-hmm. list. Mm-hmm. Anthony Miller is on this list. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Christian Kirk is on this list. There's a lot of pending breakouts at wide receiver, and I just don't see it at running back. I mean, we lost guys. That that's unfortunate, man. Darius Geis breaks off this big run. In the I love how you, we use the we here. Okay. Well, you don't like guys? No, we lost guys. Like <laughs> we're team running back. I'm team win my dynasty league. Darius Geis would have got you there. I, I mean, it's unfortunate that he went down in the preseason because Barkley had that big run, then boom, Geis has a big run. I think it got called back for a holding penalty. It was it was another 35-yard run, similar to Barkley's 40-yard run. No, Geis is fantastic. I agree with you. I love Darius Geis. I also love Patrick Mahomes. Mm. But, 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 in Dynasty, even the prolific young stars all have a price. Given how Patrick Mahomes has started this season, he's on a historic pace. Does that mean it's time to trade Patrick Mahomes in Dynasty? Only if you believe Patrick Mahomes can't figure out how to work his way around teams finally figuring him out. I think it's time to trade Patrick Mahomes because quarterback doesn't matter. Because you can go out and acquire a Matt Ryan at a fraction of the price. As long as that quarterback has above average weaponry around him, think Andy Dalton, think Matt Ryan, a QB that would be a game manager on one team can be a top 10 fantasy option on another. For that reason alone, based on that principle, you trade Patrick Mahomes in Dynasty. Here's my thing on Patrick Mahomes. I mean, if you look at the first three weeks, he played soft, soft defenses. I don't, Pittsburgh was going to be a shootout. The Chargers weren't bad. I shouldn't say they were soft, but he threw up four against them, no picks. But if you look at the last two games, Denver and Jacksonville, you don't draw much tougher defenses than those two. I mean, those are two very difficult defenses for a guy who essentially didn't have a first year in the league. So this really is his his inaugural year. This is the first year for him. So I'm not surprised to see him struggle a little bit against good defenses. Still threw for over 300 yards in both games. However, I, I, I see your point. Um, teams could begin to figure him out from here. I'm not saying teams are going to figure him out. I'm saying that in fantasy football, if you can acquire an elite running back or wide receiver in exchange for a quarterback, you do it on principle. I agree, unless it's a two QB league, obviously. If, the, if we're talking one QB league, I'm... Well, that's a big if. 
in a two quarterback league, I am not trading Patrick Mahomes. It's a completely right. different ball game in two quarterback leagues. I'm going to go ahead and ride Patrick Mahomes to a fantasy football championship in two quarterback leagues. I can tell you that right now. And I'm hoping to ride Tyler Boyd to some championships. Did you see this Tyler Boyd breakout coming? Man, I, I was a fan of him coming out of college, but I think I was like everybody else. After the couple first years, I thought, is this ever going to happen? And he's in Cincinnati with A.J. Green. Is it going to happen? You were a Nelson Aguilar truther. You were a Philip Dorsett truther. And even Philip Dorsett delivered some fantasy points to you in the first few weeks of the season. So I thought if anyone was going to keep that candle lit for Tyler Boyd, it would be Nate Liss. Oh man, I you know I didn't give up on him, but I think he started to fall into that that classification of the three to four year breakout. Like where, again, we we always talk about this. 2014 screwed with everybody's head so bad, and there's been guys since then. Amari Cooper that's played really well initially had some good years. Don't mention his name. Sorry, I don't bring him up. Don't ever I'm mention sorry, that player's name on this show. I don't want to hear it. Okay. Especially in Dynasty. I don't want to hear that player's name uttered on this program ever again. What if I do it like a hit? What if I say Jabari Pooper? No. Not even that. All right. No. Fair enough. Not even that. Won't even. Okay. I thought, though, when they drafted John Rossi. You want me to tilt on air? I don't know. You Say that man's name, <laughs> and I will tilt. Well, now I almost feel like I have to. Don't do it. Okay. Please don't. I won't do it. Please don't. It's upsetting. Yeah, I, I won't do it. It's genuinely upsetting to me. I'm very frustrated. I don't want to talk about it. I'm very upset. It takes me to an emotional place where I start to lose control, and I don't want to lose control. Yeah, you, you don't need to. I mean, Amari Cooper is a good player, though. I mean, Stop what do you it! say? Please! <laughs> I don't know what to say. Anyways, Cincinnati drafts John Ross, and suddenly even I start thinking, okay, are they moving on from Tyler Boyd? Is he not the player that they thought he was going to be? And then suddenly, here comes that third-year breakout. <laughs> Tyler Boyd's been fantastic. He's the real deal. He is. He's been very good. Who would you rather have in Dynasty, Tyler Boyd or Calvin Ridley? Because they're the same age. Mm, wow, listen to that one. Um I, ooh, that's a tough one. I think that now that you've seen Tyler Boyd really breaking out, of course you got to go Tyler Boyd. I mean, it would be stupid not to. Had you not seen either of them. Thank you. Thank you. Correct answer. Sound effect for one, Nathan Liz. <laughs> so nice to finally get one of those. If you had asked me uh, Tyler Boyd versus Amari Cooper, Listen to me. Listen. That's not funny. That's not funny. It's upsetting. It's relevant. I will not be cool. I, ca I, ca I, I cannot keep my cool when that player's name is uttered. It's fine. You've also been a Dante Moncrief truther, oh and he delivered for you last week. He's alive, Nate. Congratulations. Is he? It was on 15 targets. I'm not sure what to think. Anymore. That's exciting, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's nice to finally do something. I mean, he's not efficient. Outside of just catching touchdowns. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to complain about his touchdowns. But for a while, it's felt like that was all Dante Moncrief could do was, you know, four catches for 39 yards and a touchdown. That's all you were going to get for the rest of your life. So it's nice to see him get that usage. I mean, I'm still amazed that a player with all his physical gifts hasn't taken off. Six receptions on 15 targets. It's crazy. It's, it's <laughs> three red zone targets, zero touchdowns. And that's considered a win. Ugh. It's, it, 
against the Kansas City secondary. <laughs> the Kansas City secondary only allows receptions to opposing wide receivers. There's no such thing as an incompletion against the Kansas City secondary, and yet Dante Moncrief converting only 6 of 15. I think you're underestimating Blake Bortles' arm. That was the worst 13.5 fantasy points performance I've ever seen. I can't. I mean, I don't know. At this point, I don't know whose fault it is. Dante Moncrief has gone into the double digits three out of his five games with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, good. Can you believe that? No, I can't. Well, I mean, you know, Marquise Lee goes down, and then here, here comes Dante Moncrief. I mean, I wish the Jaguars would have traded for Amari Cooper. So I hear you're developing a methodology to predict wide receiver breakouts. Is that right? Yeah, that is true. Want to talk about it? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm kind of in a partnership with uh, Russell Clay. I I'm sure people that listen to your show, I'm probably a good amount of them are familiar with him. He's on Twitter at Russell J. Clay. He's been on the show. He was a guest host earlier this year. Soon after, you turned your back on the show and the audience. We've talked about this. I don't want to re. I don't want to open this one up again. Oh, you don't want to open this one up. Oh, oh, you don't want to put yourself in a difficult emotional situation. Oh, uh, you don't want to be triggered. Oh, I see. I see how it is. Okay, okay. I'm not ready for this. So yeah, so Russell and I, we we started talking about a project probably two or three years ago. Um, we were talking through direct message about it, and uh, our goal today is to finalize it and bring it to life. And actually right now is the first time it's ever been mentioned. We never talked about it on Twitter. I've never really talked about it with anybody. I've never talked about it with anybody anywhere other than with Russell and with you the other day. So you're essentially creating a breakout finder. Yeah. So the goal of this tool is to help determine if a college prospect will be a breakout professional football player. Um, it uses some new algorithms that we've designed to give players one concise final composite score. A professional football player in the NFL, not the CFL. Not the CFL. And, and be a breakout player, be a, a great player. Um, so, so what it'll do is it'll give you a composite score and it'll sort these players amongst their peers. And we only use solid data points, no arbitrary analysis, you know, obviously so we could eliminate bias in this. There's no tape grinding. There's no film grinding involved. No tape grinding, no film grinding, no arbitrary anything. And this this tool so far, this model, has identified players like Antonio Brown and T.Y. Hilton. And it sorted them. Antonio Brown. Ooh. To the very top of the pool. Players that otherwise would have been ignored or drafted much later, and the model's predictive score has indicated them. So, Did this breakout finder identify Amari Cooper? Uh, the breakout finder did like Amari Cooper. The who shall not be named. Of course, he was identified as a top breakout candidate by everybody. Literally everyone thought he was going to be a breakout superstar in the NFL. And he was for two years and then just vanishes. He's not dead. He's been John Gruden for God's sakes. <gasps> yeah, that's the same John Gruden that's like, boy, we need, we need pass rush. So did this... Breakout finder have uh, Odell Beckham Jr. highly ranked because the analytics missed Odell Beckham Jr. So the model's job would be to identify players like Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry. And that, that's a good question because 
The issue with Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham is that they played with one another. So you had two very good players back in college playing with one another and kind of cannibalizing targets. Yeah, cannibalizing each other's overall production. Now, they both broke a thousand receiving yards in 2013 at LSU, which was impressive on the LSU offense. Yes, in the LSU offense. So context matters. Yeah. So you're contextualizing college production. Yes, absolutely. What What's weighted in this, there are a lot of factors, but we look at the, the difficulty of the teams that they've played. We look at who they shared a field with. So SEC competition matters. It, it does, team by team. So what about this wide receiver duo? At Texas A&M, for two years, you had Christian Kirk and Josh Reynolds. Yes, And Josh Reynolds could step into a starting role this week for the Rams, where both Kirk and Reynolds quality prospects, according to your model. Yeah, well, so Christian Kirk obviously ends up higher. What do you mean, obviously? If it's obvious, we would already know it. So Christian Kirk ends up higher than Josh Reynolds does for a lot of reasons um, that are built into this. But like you brought up, they played together and we factor in the talent level of the players that played in the same offenses together. So obviously Christian Kirk. I mean, these are two pro level players yes. sharing a field, cannibalizing targets, facing SEC defenses. Yes. So in the end, Christian Kirk ends up by a fairly wide margin ahead of Josh Reynolds, but Josh Reynolds is is sitting in a position where he's he's quite a ways above a lot of players. So Josh Reynolds is good. It's a rare thing that a number four receiver gets elevated, but in Josh Reynolds' case, you could argue he's one of, if not the most talented number four receiver in the NFL. Josh Reynolds is really good, and, and the model definitely indicates... He checks all the boxes, man. Yeah. He has both the age-adjusted college production and the size-adjusted athleticism. He's a superior above-average player. I mean, he's way above-average comparative to the other players that we have in the model. And one thing that I did want to say, too... Um, I don't know when this will be officially released. Um, the hope is that we can turn it into an app and release it to people. It'd be a, an awesome tool for Dynasty. Um, but if people have questions about players, if you want to know maybe where one player is versus another player uh, at Russell J. Clay at an Outrage Jew, um, if we have time, we can punch them in or see if they're not already in the database, and we might be able to give you some information kind of upon request. So, but. It's a working model. It's not done, and we're hoping to finalize it. But I appreciate you uh, bringing it up on the show. A little tease. Yeah, a little something. So let's look ahead. 2019. Some Dynasty teams are already toast, Nate. Mm. And Don't say. And now's the time when you got to figure out, what am I going to do? Am I going to start trading players for picks? I don't do that. I play to win. But I'm not everybody. Most of my teams are in contention. But again, I'm not everybody. So if you're looking ahead to this 2019 class, which I am not because I play to win, <laughs> who is the most impressive prospect to you in this upcoming class? Oh, man, that's a tough one. Um, is there an Amari Cooper in this class? <laughs> <laughs> now you're doing that to yourself. I know! God! I'm a masochist! This is, this is going to be the year of the alpha wide receiver one. I, I, I definitely think so. Ooh, finally. It's going to be. Um, 2014 Redux? Maybe? Maybe? I mean, you're going to have some big guys. I, I think that for me, and I'm going to have a different list here than some other people, but I think uh, Nikhil Harry from Arizona State University, he's a big wide out, physical, elusive, great hands. 
Um, as it sits right now, he's kind of my number one. A lot of people have A.J. Brown from Ole Miss, him and D.K. Metcalf, both Ole Miss guys. They're studs. Um, I've been a big fan of Kelvin Harmon from North Carolina State. So there's there's some good people. Is he related to Matt Harmon? I don't I don't think so. I don't I don't think so. Not going out on a limb. Just off the No, I don't think so. Different parents. <laughs> so it's a strong wide receiver class. Is it also a weak running back class? Yeah. You know, I don't it's tough to say that it's a weak running back class. I will say this about it. I think there's too many tweeners in this running back class. I think you're gonna get a lot of guys Ruh-roh. that are, you know, two hundred and ten pounds or less. My three favorite backs coming in are David Montgomery, Damian Harris. And Justice Hill. And the problem is that two of those guys are under 200 pounds and the other one's under 220. So what about Bryce Love? Here's the thing about Bryce Love. Let's talk about Bryce Love for a second. Bryce Love is not a pass catcher. That's a that's a huge problem. Bryce Love is not a pass catcher. So if you're going to be. Is he the next Ronald Jones? (sighs) Yeah, probably. I mean, that's. Oh, no. Oh, no. He's a better runner than Ronald Jones is, that's for sure. But with that being said, when you only have 35 career receptions, and of course there's a lot of football left this year, so we'll see. But uh, something else that I've heard is that Bryce Love may not want to play that many years in the NFL. And I've had this discussion with some people on Twitter. There's some rumors out there that he may only want to play out his rookie contract and then go do some things back with his education. So it's it's an interesting thing. I don't know what will happen with Bryce Love. When you say go do some things with his education, do you mean go to graduate school? What the hell are you saying? I think he's in the medical field right now. I think that's what he's majoring in. I don't exactly know. So I haven't read about it. So medical school then. Yeah, I, if if that's what it is. I don't know. Medical school is in Bryce Love's range of outcomes. Good for him, man. Hey, man, the gladiator spectacle is not for everybody. So what does this mean for your Dynasty League strategy? Does that mean you should be trading 2019 picks, particularly if you're a contender and you know that most wide receivers take time to develop? Why not just trade those 2019 picks for quality players, quality players that you can acquire from teams on the wrong end of the standings at a discount at the midway point in the season? If you're if you're a contender, it's hard to get hits at the back half of the draft anyway. So moving those 19 picks isn't as hard. I think the problem with trading the pick is right now is that, as you're well aware, as we get closer to draft time, the value of those picks goes way up. So selling today, unless it's going to make you more of a contender, um, I, I don't know. I may hold closer to draft because the value spike, that you know, that hype, that whatever, it's it always happens. Yeah, without fail. If you can hold those 2019 picks, and then at the very last moment, hold, 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 hold the line, and then loose. In the days leading up to the draft. If you can be that patient, then you can be a real killer in your dynasty league. So you love Nikhil Harry. Who's your favorite running back? I, I think I'm gonna get on board with some of the other guys um that were, were making calls on on him way earlier. I think Franchise K was one of them. But uh David Montgomery, Iowa State. Um that guy's a stud. And uh he could be he could be that David Johnson type player that's gonna enter this league and I wouldn't be surprised if he's potentially one of the first guys off the board at running back. But again, I've, I've kind of gone on record to say that I don't know that running back goes in round one this year. 
I think there's a good chance that with the hits and the depth and the investments that teams have made since 2015, if you look back to 2015-16, you know, these draft classes, I, I think there's been so many reasonable players or hits in between that timeline that we've gotten to the point now where, yeah, some teams need running back, but I don't know if teams are going to want to invest a first. Not many, though. You're right. There's not a big demand for running back out there, and Tevin Coleman's going to be a free agent. TJ Yeldon's going to be a free agent. So, you know, and who knows what happens in uh, Pittsburgh. Um, But nonetheless, I I think that it's going to be a a fade on running back, and you may not see a back come off the board till uh, the second round like we did in 2015 with Bishop Sankey. 14. Bishop Sankey, Jeremy Hill. Go even earlier, Monte Ball. Oh, God. There's been some bad ones in there. There's been bad running back classes, and this could be that. Give me a sleeper for this 2019 rookie class. Uh, I'll go to a wide receiver and um, go with J.J. Arcega-Whiteside from Stanford. Who? (laughs) He's from Stanford. He's a guy that's climbing some boards for some people. Whiteside? Yeah, Whiteside. Arcega-Whiteside. So I think that he could be a guy. You know the last Whiteside that was a professional athlete was one of the great knuckleheads in NBA history. He's talking about play with Miami? Yes. Hassan Whiteside. (laughs) Yeah, yes. Oh, that is awesome. So I hope he's not the Hassan Whiteside of the NFL. No, he he's a, he's a big guy, a 6'3", 230 kind of body type, but a, but a basketball player. Like they, they say that he's the kind of that Mike Evans. He understands how to box out. I mean, this year alone, what, eight touchdowns on 30 catches. Last year, nine touchdowns on 48. I mean, he's a red zone monster. So he's a guy that's ascended for some people, but uh, he, he might be a guy that come closer to draft day. You see climb a lot higher than he's being, you know, touted now. So enough foreplay. Hmm. Have you seen this uh, draft Pete cheat tweet storm? Yeah, I uh, I'm I'm aware of it. It's it's come across my timeline. I've been notified. What do you think? Um, he's persistent. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. He also has a significant following of DFS bros who are also big into crypto. Cool, very cool, very cool stuff. And I've been criticized, Nate, for spending too much time burning this fool to the ground. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Right? People just don't get it, man. This is what gets me off. I mean, I'm hard right now. Just thinking about (laughs) is going to happen to this guy again. Because it's not one show. It's not two shows. It's not three shows that I have addressed these tweets. But the beauty is it would require many more shows to address all of his tweets. (laughs) It's unbelievable. He thinks that the way to get me the path to victory is for us to play at DFS, right? And he can't believe that I would give advice about daily fantasy but not actually play myself. Because on Sundays, I'm playing golf, I'm playing tennis, or I'm at brunch. Fantasy football doesn't run me, I run fantasy football. And I'm not sorry about that. And on my last show, I don't know if you heard it, you probably didn't. You don't listen to this show, no way you listen to my other shows. What? But I, (laughs) exactly. I issued a challenge to him. Basically, it was this. Be better. (laughs) 
<laughs> wow. Just be better at social media and stop being lame on Twitter. It's a very basic challenge. Uh, right? So you pulled up his account. I'll pull up his account right now. Oh, wait a second. Wait a sec. Nate! What? We have some more breaking news. It appears that Draft Pete Cheat has unfollowed me. Oh! Oh, oh! This is a catastrophic sign of weakness. We have finally gotten to him. He was so strong for so long, and he just couldn't handle it. He just couldn't take it anymore. Unfollow! I just, ah! He cracked. If he were social media savvy, he would know you can't unfollow someone in the middle of a beef. That is a massive sign of weakness. I don't follow him because I didn't follow him in the first place. <laughs> I would have no reason to unfollow someone I never followed. And really what this is is a game of who can get in the other's feelings. That's the scoreboard. And I think it's clear just looking at his timeline and that he broke down and clicked the unfollow button that I am in his feelings, that he needs to take a giant L. And there's great poetry in this because this all started when he demanded that I take the L on Calvin Ridley. And then what happened? Muhammad Sanu went out and was the signature inexpensive cash play wide receiver of week five. And Calvin Ridley, big surprise, didn't score a touchdown as if that was going to happen. It's pretty amazing that the guy that thought he was clever by saying, I suck at taking L's because of Calvin Ridley, even though Calvin Ridley's TD rate was the most unsustainable in the history of wide receivers, is now eating the biggest L of all. He's losing at social media. That is so much worse than a bad sports take. I mean, this guy is broken. Have you seen his timeline? I've skimmed it. I mean, at this point, I'm rooting for this guy. <laughs> I mean... It's come full circle. I am. I really am. I'm like... Listen to me, Draft Cheat Pete. Listen to me. Stop feeling sorry for yourself on social media. It, go outside. Stop being such an insufferable drone and go out there and enjoy what the world has. It's a beautiful world. It's planet Earth. We have this one life to live. Go live it. You don't have to Photoshop yourself into a scenic mountain range. You can actually go climb the mountain. And if you do anything this Sunday, my advice to you is this. A personalized mansion lifestyle tip for one draft cheat Pete. <laughs> oh my god. Log out of Twitter and go to brunch. Do you have anything to add, Nate? Yeah, I got something to say, Matt. Tommy just hit me on a text. Last night he was bitching on the net. Wait, you're defending Pete? I'm perplexed. He picks a fight, then you show up. What the heck? Damn, I'm really sorry you want Matt to go away for good. He was watching that yacht vid in his room. Realized that you lit a fuse. Here's your 15 minutes, had a jot it while I pooped. Pete, Pete's son, listen, man, Matt isn't mad. But how you gonna pick a fight with someone and have a name this easy to play from? Insults running off like a turret. At first it was jokes, now it's a service. Draft cheat sending 50 tweets, getting nervous. Tommy screaming at his screen like it's super urgent. And here we are, just calm and collected. Honestly, not a bit are we affected. Matter of fact, this is what Matt expected. Don't you remember? It gives him erections. You gotta know that your gimmick's dead soon. The minute these trolls entered the room, 
uh Truthfully, this is my best move So I'm toying with Peter like a teen in a locked bedroom If I was you, I would take a hint and rest it The six dick pics really look desperate I know you meant to send a breast pic But goofed up and sent a crotch shot from your dress fit And I applaud your efforts, they're terrific Yet you landed on a prestigious hit list But this nitwit still won't get this I like to fly in your jeans, it's over Peter's head Now zip it A personalized mansion lifestyle tip for one draft sheet Pete. <laughs> oh my god. Log out of Twitter and go to brunch. Do you have anything to add, Nate? Yeah, I got something to say, Matt. He's not dead. He's been John Gruden for God's sakes. The who shall not be named. Of course, he was identified as a top breakout candidate by everybody! Everyone thought he was gonna be a breakout superstar in the NFL. So are you are you surprised at all that Luke Wilson has not produced in Detroit? Are you talking about him specifically or just any tight end that's ever played in Detroit? Well no, he was in Seattle, so you were following his career. He's very athletic. All the tight end targets have been vacated there. Seems like he's the guy, and then nothing. I guess I'm surprised because for him to break out, they would have had to have used him a lot more than Seattle did. Seattle didn't use him a ton. Based on your analysis of players, that if they shared a field with another NFL player in the same role, then they're better than most people think. You need to add a premium to those players. Well, Vance McDonald and Luke Wilson played on the same team at Rice. I know it matters more for wide receivers playing with other talented pass-catching options around them in terms of sort of judging what their future breakout is. As far as Luke Wilson, handsome guy, good athlete. And stinks at football. I'm going to give the people three food-related mansion lifestyle. Of course you are. Why stop there? Why not 15? Oh, you don't want to open this one up. Oh, oh, you don't want to put yourself in a difficult emotional situation. Oh, you don't want to be triggered. Oh, I see. No, typically I'll take the knife and kind of whack the nut in it and pull the nut right out. Pull the nut right out. Pull the nut right out. Yeah, but I do that with my bare hands and my teeth. That's the way first man did it. That's the way I'm going to do it. I feel like if I say I use my teeth, I'm going to say it anyways because it's going to go in the outro now. But So I use my teeth to bite the nut, and then I pull it out. The best part of it, it's not even a nut, it's a pit. I was unaware until today how fast a grizzly bear can run. Well, you saw the, the, the revenant, right? Oh yeah, I watched that, but looped that part. They say that grizzly bears can run up to 40 miles an hour. Well, because what happened was, 
I had a flashback to the Wolverine thing, and I told those guys I could outrun a grizzly bear. And they're like, they're like, you're an idiot. Do you know how fast a grizzly bear is? Most of the animals with four legs can outrun the animals with two legs. That's how that works. I know there's a sloth and other animals that are designed to maneuver in trees, so they're not fast. But you double the amount of legs, you're getting somewhere. There's a car keeping pace with this thing, running along like the side of a cavern or something. It is hauling ass. I mean, it is fast. Unbelievable. Had no idea. The car was speeding inside a cavern? Do you know what a cavern is? Are you talking about a canyon? A cavern's a cave. They were in a cave. Yes, racing in a cave, a bear in a car. I'm pretty sure this video you saw did not happen in a cavern. Your vocabulary, man, is just stunning. Jarvis Landry is going to slay this entire league for the next 10 weeks. All I'm saying is, is that the white Jarvis Landry on the West Coast, known as Cooper Cup, is going to slay for 10 weeks as well, as long as his head isn't mush. Yeah, it's Jarvis Landry, except there's, there's no Robert Woods in Cleveland. Derek Willies. I'm not going to lie, I picked up Willies in some leagues. <laughs> you know his friends call him Wet Willie, right? I mean, that that's a dangerous group right there. Log out of Twitter and go to brunch. Go to brunch. Go to brunch. What do you guys do for Halloween? Yeah, I dress up. I'm going to be the knave of hearts this year. Hi, my friend. I'm going as a magician. You have some tricks? Yeah, I do legit card tricks. I got a couple math tricks that I really like. They're the ones that don't really ever go wrong. Everything kind of just always works out, and they're impressive in the end. Yeah, I do a lot of sleight of hand stuff. Oh, wow, that's impressive. I uh, I can't do the sleight of hand. You know, I can take quarters out of kids' ears and that kind of thing. Yeah, I'm sure yours were aimed at, like, macking chicks. That's right. Chicks dig magic. They love magic. I show up to a bar. I lay a deck of cards out on the bar. They're just sopping wet at that point. Sopping wet? At that point, they're eating out of your hand. Sopping wet. By the way, you know I'm going to ask you about Kavanaugh during the show. I don't want to talk about any of this. I'm going to ask you. I want to do. Uh, I'm going to do a reenactment of uh, a few good men. Oh god, this is ridiculous. The Kavanaugh thing's been a great, a great source of content. Have you been talking about it on your show? Of course. You know the fact that you don't listen to the show will never stop bothering me. I've been avoiding everything involved for so long. Yeah, you know, on the West Coast here, the Pacific Northwest, that's super liberal. Southern Washington. You might as well be in Idaho. Wow, get a fucking globe out, sir. <laughs> so I saved this for the outtakes. Kavanaugh, he did it. Oh, God. He did it. Just say he did it. Listen, I know you voted for Trump. Oh, God. You're on the red team. I'm neither red nor blue. I'm on the purple team. So if we're averaging the political affiliation of this show at this very moment, it is more red than blue. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh... But this Kavanaugh was a bridge too far for me. I can see both sides of a lot of policies. I cannot see both sides of Roy Moore, and I cannot see both sides of Brett Kavanaugh. So just admit. Just admit it to yourself. Admit it to me. Say it. He did it. 
there's some pretty bad stuff in here. I mean, this is... He did it. I, here's here. Just say did it. You'll feel better, man. You'll feel so much better. It'll be like a weight off your shoulders. You can still vote for Trump in 2020. It's not a problem. Just say did it. Can I just say this? Admit he did it. I will say something in a second. I want to say this first. Say it. Just say the words. Say he did it. Listen, I just want to say on this topic. He did it. This is a slippery slope. Now, here's why. Whether he did or didn't do it, I don't know. But in general, getting accused of this, even if you're acquitted, this ruins everything. He did it. <laughs> he did it. 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 Yeah, he probably did it. This is a kitchen sink episode. They got wraps. They got lifestyle. They got beefs. They got red team, blue team interrogation. They got prospects. They got sleepers. They got trade talk. I mean, they got a rap verse. It is not only a lubricant. Head whip. Oh, oh my God. So if you're looking ahead to this 2019 class, which I am not because I play to win. <laughs> That's what made the original show so good. You know, it was always it was unpredictable shit. I mean, fighting a fucking Wolverine. I mean, there was just it was always some stupid shit that would come up on those episodes that I, I mean, I truly believe that if you were a, a, a listener of the show, not like a first time listener, that you came back for the relationship and the antics more than the advice. Don't ever mention that player's name on this show. I don't want to hear it. Say that man's name, and I will tilt. Well, now I almost feel like I have to. I can't believe this is happening right now. You don't like olive oil? Not extra virgin, bro. Avocado on sandwiches. Avocado on salads. Probably you put avocado on pretty much anything. Dude. <laughs> okay, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. He's alive, Nate! Congratulations! Wow, get a fucking globe out, sir. Cheeseburger Lacey. That's not funny. That's not funny. It's upsetting. Yeah, he probably did it.